Hello, welcome everybody to the No Normal Show for Thursday, October 29, 2020, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers can navigate what we call the no normal. I'm Chris Bevelo, health systems practice lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. I'm joined by Chase Kleckner, Senior Marketing Manager at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Chase. Hey, Chris. Good to see you as always. Good to see you too, sir. And we are also thrilled to be welcomed to be welcomed by. You're going to welcome us, Kendra? I think we should welcome you. Well, thank you. I'm very pleased to be here. I got all excited. I'm sorry. People don't know, but Kendra and I have known each other for a long, long time. So it's really cool that we've got to reconnect. If you don't know Kendra, she is the SVP of Strategic Marketing, Communications, and PR at Avera Health, which is a health system that includes more than 35 hospitals, 200 clinics, home care, telehealth, and two insurance companies. Kendra has been in the healthcare industry for more than 30 years and has been in Avera Health for the past eight years. Now formally, welcome, Kendra. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Yes, we're looking forward to digging in with you here just in a bit. Let's take care of some housekeeping notes first. Uh, if you have not joined us on this podcast before, we'll be sharing industry trends, research stories, uh, all kinds of things to help health system marketers and communicators navigate what we call the no normal, which is obviously uh, referring to the period of uncertainty that we are living in, have been living in, and will be living in for Boy, the foreseeable future, if you believe Dr. Fauci, 2022, that's the first time I'd heard that number thrown out there. So let's hope it's not that, it's not that far away, uh, but it could be. If you want to know what we mean by the no normal more specifically as it relates to hospitals and health systems, some of the principles we think you need to consider as we work through this uncertainty, we've got a blog post that we put out. Chase will share that in the chat function for you. Uh, if you're new to the show as well, uh, and haven't uh, joined us before, we use the Zoom uh, functions, a couple of them in a couple different ways. So I mentioned the chat function. That's a great place if you want to reach out to the other attendees of the show. So feel free to do that while we're, while we're talking here. Also, Chase will use that to put any uh, links to any information that we're sharing uh, so you can uh, access that directly. If you have a question for Kendra or myself or Chase as we go throughout the show, put that in the Q&A queue uh, because that's what we monitor as we go through the show to see what questions there are. We have plenty of time for that. Uh, we'll, add, we'll answer them as we go or at the end, just make sure you pop them in Q&A because if you put them in chat, we may miss them. Uh, also remember that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, we always post a recording, a video recording of the episode that we do by the end of the day. So uh, you can find that this afternoon at our website at thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19, where we have all kinds of content. Uh, the podcast is just part of it. We have lots of reports, uh, lots of blog posts, lots of recommendations. In fact, uh, we just released yesterday, Chase tells me, and I should know this myself, uh, the latest survey findings that we've done. We have been doing consumer surveys since the outset, since middle of March. Most recently, we have been going out surveying folks on vaccines. And so you can, the link that Chase will provide you right now, the chat function will take you to a report that captures the main uh, highlights of those findings from the from the survey. We're not going to dive into those too deep today because we actually have a show dedicated to this next week. So hang, come back for that if you want to dig in too deep. 
we might touch on this a little bit with Kendra as we go through this. Um, but we're really here to talk about consumer centricity with Kendra. I want to start with a couple of things first, though. Um, one of which is COVID. You know, back, Kendra, I don't know if you you listened to the show when we first started, we did a daily podcast because the world had exploded and nobody knew what was going on. And we really had a need and an audience and a demand to, to check in on this every day. Um, May, June came, things opened back up. Uh, hospitals stopped or started their electives back again, and we shifted to a monthly. Um, and I know that where you're at in South Dakota, North Dakota, uh, Montana, for example, my daughter goes to college there, didn't really have the high levels of COVID at that time. Um, but more recently, you guys have been at kind of the head of this latest curve. It's it's called the third curve, the extension of the second curve. It called all kinds of things, but it does not look good when you look at it nationally. Um, and for you guys, I think this is the first time uh, since you didn't go through it back in the spring that has really been significant. Why don't you give us just your perspective being there on the ground um, of how things are going in South Dakota and the other areas that you serve at Avera? Sure, thanks, Chris. Uh, you know, we, like everybody else, shut down all of our planning procedures in the spring to preserve PPE. Uh, like everybody else, we probably have plenty of stocks of PPE now, but what we're running into is uh, workforce shortages that's really impacting our ability to staff beds. And as we see that curve continuing to, to, in, to incline uh, in our particular geography, uh, that's our biggest challenge. And uh, so we're seeing about a thousand positives a day right now, and if you take extrapolate, about four percent of those are going to end up in inpatient. Uh, we're seeing across the state around 400, a little over 400 inpatients with COVID. You have to keep in mind that that might sound small, uh, and to a lot of the the systems are in huge urban areas. But we have 895,000 people in the state of South Dakota, uh, which means everybody knows everybody. So we're really concerned about uh, the coming holidays and what, uh, what that's going to do for our curve. And our governor is not uh, a, a mandate masking governor, and so that's been a real challenge for us. We've kind of tackled that by uh, putting together a group of organizations, both healthcare and business. We did a press conference this week, and we've launched a big public service campaign around mask up SODAC and keep it, keep the state open because that's kind of the call to action now in our state where we have a lot of cowboys and everyone wants to do their own thing, as you saw from the Sturgis rally and all yeah. the hunting and everything that's going on. Uh, we're really seeing though more infection rates from those small family get-togethers, whether those are funerals, weddings, birthday parties and such. So Thanksgiving really concerns us with this uh, new surge that we're having. Yeah, and, and we hear that across the country um, nationally, of course, um, real concerns about the holidays, Thanksgiving, uh, Christmas, New Year's, uh, whatever you celebrate around that time of year. And then also, as you and I know, living in this part of the country, Chase, you're maybe a little immune to this, not always immune to this, but it gets cold. And you can't go outside, you can't eat outside anymore. And you can't, you know, we've been having family gatherings outside which is way safer. You can keep six feet apart. You can wear your masks, you know, um, it's just going to be so much harder to even do the everyday things that you'd want to do once it gets bitter cold, like it does. Yeah. We, we launched uh, a reassurance campaign back in August uh, to get people to come back in because they put their, put their services off. And we have some really sick people who are not COVID sick people 
yeah. that are in the hospital right now too. So we, we're trying to be very balanced in how we approach this to not shut down our planned surgeries or planned procedures because people need to get in for their preventative care and everything. Uh, but, to, and, but to be really cognizant of how we're uh, allowing our ICUs to fill up uh, over the course of the, at least through the end of this year. It's a real balancing act uh, and uh, we're tapping brakes where we can uh, without shutting things down. Yeah. Let's, let's switch gears a little bit. Um, and we'll come back to COVID because I think what we're going to talk about, um, you know, will be discussed a little bit through the lens of what's gone on this year, though it's not just about that uh, in terms of what you guys are doing with consumer centricity. But the other big news in your neighborhood is the announced merger of your friends at Sanford Health with Intermountain, which is out of Utah. And not everybody is aware of Sanford Health. It's a, it's a fairly significant system, grown a lot recently because of an infusion of um you know, funds from uh, a successful businessman there. Uh, so it's fairly big, but not everybody around the country necessarily knows about it. So do you have any any input on that? Well, I think this is a, a, an excellent strategic move, especially for Intermountain. Uh, it's a combination of two very strong systems, uh, you know, accolades to them for, the, for this uh, merger partnership. Uh, I have a high respect for Intermountain. You know, they're one of the best systems in the mm -hmm. country. And and uh, what we're seeing from strategically from our point of view is that it really adds a layer of urgency to all the work that we're currently doing around our quality initiatives, around our, our consumer centricity. You know, when I look at how Intermountain defines quality, uh, experience is a huge factor in, in how, how they define quality. So all the things we're going to talk about today plus more really is uh, adding that uh, an additional lever of urgency and uh, hopefully a, a budget increase for marketing here at, at, at Avera in order to implement uh, some new strategies around our experience work. Which is a, a great segue because the idea that marketing's budget would increase to help with experience is not a common thing that we would necessarily hear. Um, so let's, let's switch to that. Let's talk about um, just overall consumer centricity. And I don't know, Kenner, if you want us to start um, with looking at through the lens of COVID-19, because I know it's been a bit of a forcing function for you that way. Um, maybe that's a good place to start. Well, I, I do think COVID has changed consumer behavior exceptionally uh, for healthcare. And it's really added a layer of expectation, I believe, that consumers want to, to uh, engage with their health uh, more robustly, with more knowledge, and with more contemporary experience. And, and that contemporary experience is really being identified and defined by how they're interacting with other things in their life. So it's uh, uh, being able to book your, your airline tickets online and that uh, airline anticipating that you're going to need to have a redirection when you get O'Hare because your flight's been canceled. I mean, it's that thoughtful anticipation piece, I think, that we're going to really get to with experience and, and talk more about what we're, we're going to focus on today around just the financing of healthcare yeah. and that black box that we, we have, uh, we have worked in in healthcare for, you know, so many years and that third party payer called the employer in the middle of all of it has, is a complication, but I don't think we're going to be given any grace going forward uh, because it's complicated. I think we're going to have to make it easier, simpler, and more transparent. Uh, for consumers and more logical 
for consumers as they are making healthcare decisions. And price is going to be one of the factors. Yeah. So let's take these one at a time. Um, and interestingly enough, we we have done a deep dive on consumerism and the impact of COVID on it. And just to your point, um, we're seeing some trends. Of course, it's all a matter of how much of this will stick coming out of COVID. Um, but we equate it to, to, to episodes like World War II, the Great Depression, 9-11, these massive disruptive events um, that change society to a large degree or in, in certain ways, but consumer behavior specifically um, and what that can mean for healthcare um, there's some really profound changes to your point. So let's, let's take these one at a time. I know one of the things um, that you've been focused on, like a lot of people, is, is virtual care. Uh, like everyone else, we saw barriers break down with our physician group uh, in doing virtual visits uh, overnight. And we were doing 1,000 visits a day uh, through our virtual platform. You know, going forward now that you know we have we're seeing uh, volumes come in the door. A lot of our doctors want the rubber band back to the way they've always done things because they're sure that the consumer really, the patient really just wants to come see them. And we're telling them that no, our our surveys are saying they really don't want to come see you all that much. But uh, uh, it's going to be a few things to filing down for friction points too. So we're, right now, for us to integrate this into our uh, kind of toolbox for consumer access, we're looking at it by service lines. We have 16 service lines across, very strong service lines. We're a very physician-driven organization. We're looking at those service lines to identify how virtual care integrates into those service lines. So it will be different for a primary care doctor than it is for an orthopedic doctor or a dermatologist. But then we're going to require them to do a certain percentage by in a certain time frame uh, but they have the ability and the power with which to identify how that happens for them. But the other piece of this is just the technology. We have a, a, an MPS score in our virtual visits of 70.3, which is world class uh, for an MPS. But where we fall down is the clunkiness of the platform. And we're currently looking at three platforms and we're trying to com you know, combine the best of all of those so that it is far more of a, of a seamless easy uh, experience for the consumer, which is going to be probably a text and you click it and you open it up and there's your doctor. But, uh, yeah. you know, getting there in healthcare, you know, in the past it's never been that, that uh, fast of an, of an operation to get anything done in healthcare. I think, I think the one thing COVID's done is added a, le a level of urgency uh, and nimbleness, required nimbleness to health systems. Well, there's a couple of things there. One, it, what's, it just dawned on me as you said that, you know, how simple it should be. Um, I, am now a, I am now a virtual care only first, better be a good reason not to do it kind of person. I wasn't before because it wasn't really available, right? And I'll get to that in a second. But it's, it's interesting in, in all of my virtual care experiences, there's always a phone call that comes first, right? Someday they won't need to call me to make sure I'm getting on the virtual care platform in the right way, right? It's, it's two-step encounter. Um, and that's, I mean, that's smart because there's a lot of people who don't know how to do it, but I think that speaks to where we need to go. The other thing you mentioned uh, that I think is is what we just keep banging the drum on is the idea of the rubber banding and that we had to, to really, COVID was a forcing function to make our organizations get out there. We had no choice. Um, and we've opened Pandora's box in a way by doing that. And so like I use myself there, I don't ever want to go back. This is a quote that we're going to, 
I just love this quote. We did, we've done a lot of research on this and it's, a, it's from a focus group and it's a young mother um, who's got kids and she's asked about, you know, how much do you use virtual care? What do you think about it? And her quote is, we use it for anything we can get away with. I'm talking anything. And then they will tell us sometimes, no, you have to take her in. And then, you know, we'll do rock, paper, scissors to see who has to take her in. Like that's the perspective that we have now out there. Um, and so the rubber band effect is the fear. It's blockbuster and Netflix all over again, right? Right, right. It's it is. Down those right? Yeah. Yeah, and you can't do this without your physician. So maybe the biggest challenge is helping convince them that just because you can see people again in person doesn't mean that's really what we want to settle back into in all cases. And then there's the whole idea of artificial intelligence, like Babylon is using artificial intelligence to do diagnoses and triage right up front. And the doctors aren't even in that conversation. I shared that with some of our medical group and one of the doctors said, now I feel like I have to go throw up, you know, because <laughs> it's such a different, uh, different dichotomy. But if you look at, if you look at AI uh, playing a role in all of this, I mean, that's, that's a huge game changer too, that, um, you know, investments are, are going to verge that into uh, our area as a disruptor pretty quickly. Yeah, when you think about it, that sounds so futuristic. But honestly, if you're if you're presenting with flu symptoms, if you're presenting with strep throat, if you're presenting with a lot of, especially at that at that you know top of the funnel retail urgent care situation, there's only so many things we need to know right. before we know what the next step is temperature, you know, whatever. And you don't need a human necessarily to gauge all those if it's set up right. Sounds, it sounds crazy, but you're right. It's just right. It's right here. It's right here. All right. So let's, you had mentioned um, pricing. Another thing that we've got our eye on in terms of COVID and um, consumerism. And, and we have been looking at this for a couple of years because there's been such an increased scrutiny on hospital pricing. Um, whether it's the Trump administration, whether it's Axios, whether it's the Rand report, like it is the, the metaphor we use there is the frog in the pot of water. And we've been sitting in it and now it's COVID is kind of, it was boiling before, but COVID's turning the temperature up because far more people are experiencing the healthcare system than they did before. All of the confusion about um, the cost of a test and the cost of treatment and, oh, the, the federal government's going to cover it. But what does that really mean? Uh, so, so talk about what you guys were already doing maybe, cause I think Kendra, we were, we talked before this all hit, uh, and you shared some of the things you were doing in terms of the financial experience. So share with us how that's, um, driving part of your customer simplicity. Uh, absolutely. So Chris, about three years ago, Alvera started looking at, uh, the financial experience because we have above average, uh, deductibles in our footprint. So our, our consumers have larger out-of-pocket uh, outlays than others in the country. So they, they will become far more discerning about how they, how they shop. Uh, we don't make it easy. And uh, I think that's been a real uh, element in, in this not moving faster. But now the government is going to force us to make it easier through transparency laws and not just for us, but uh, also for our insurance side as well. So as, a, as you all know, as of January 1, we all have to be compliant with uh, the transparency regulations that were passed for hospitals around the country. And we're going, we have a cost estimator tool that we will launch on our website here the next couple of weeks and publicize. So we're going, to, we're going to be ahead of that a little bit. 
But when you start to peel that onion back and you look at the crazy prices that we have for things in our health system that's not based on really uh, any type of consumer principles or pricing logic uh, that is sustainable. It was usually more of a, a percentage of charge uh, that you got reimbursed. So if you needed to fill a budget gap, you increased your charges and you got a higher uh, revenue. Well, those days are gone. And as consumers become more uh, conscious of, of shopping, we have to create that, con that contemporary shopping experience for consumers. So we started looking at this three years ago and uh, it's taken that long, and I do think COVID has played a, a role in, in moving it forward faster. But uh, we're looking at now the developing and deploying a pricing strategy that, that optimizes competitive price points in our system, and, but then also creates a more nimble pricing system uh, for Avera going into the future. I want to be at a, at a point where uh, in, in two years, I can reach out and change a price on a monthly basis if I need to. And that is a nimbleness that we just don't have right now. Plus, we don't have a logic to, to, on how on which to do that. Uh, so, so we are moving in this direction. And as I mentioned to you early, earlier, uh, oddly enough, uh, marketing is leading the initiative in our system. So, so amazing. Uh, you can applaud that, but I'm slightly terrified by that because you know, one of our key principles is that they don't want uh, a negative impact on our margin, uh, which means we have to, to shift prices on, on shoppables, just like retail does, into areas that are not so much shoppable for consumers. They have to buy that, or the insurance company has to buy that. And at the same time now, we're going to integrate our managed care contracting and negotiations into the project so yeah. that we will also be influencing how we negotiate our contracts because we can't we can't touch this side without touching this side uh, of our contracts and then in the middle of all this is physician compensation so it, if i could have i could have not picked more grenades to, to lay out <laughs> and walk through with this uh, if i had designed it that way uh, we're just getting started so uh, I will say one exciting thing from uh, from a marketing standpoint that, that speaks to marketing in, intellectually is we're going to survey our market and identify what our brand premium is in our pricing formula. And that is exceptionally intriguing to me. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, maybe not the grenade walking, but the, the other uh, understanding what our brand premium is, is it will be a key a strategic element for us. Yeah, it is. I applaud it because it's, I mean, it's something we've been advocating. It's, e it's easy for us over here to say, marketing should be helping with pricing, you know, but we're not having to walk through the, the field of landmines like you're talking about, the grenades. Uh, but it's just, it, it's, of course, hospitals and health systems haven't really had to worry about this historically from a consumerism standpoint. But like what you say, like consumers have been around for a decade plus. Um, and the fact that we've struggled so mightily there is just no way it's a coincidence that marketing has not been part of that. So it, what I mean is the perspective you're bringing, Kendra, the perspective of pricing philosophy, like let's just start there, like pricing strategy, you know, from a consumer standpoint, that's typically, typically comes from the marketer in an organization, not in our world, but in other industries. And so that's just been missing. 
And it, I, you know, it's got to be very onerous to think about how are you going to navigate all of that. But you know, it's fantastic that you're in the middle of it. Well, I hope to uh, have uh, recommendations for our model by March, so you can check back with me then and see okay. if I've survived it or not. So if I'm still here. Yes, definitely. We need to we need to um, stay in touch. We've done that with. Um, it, it brings to mind uh, a CMO at a system in Florida who attended one of our Joe Public events a few years ago. Heard the idea of digital experience being, you know, this this needs to change. Went and and made a really bold move to take ownership of it, which back then and even now is it's the minority of health system marketers own experience, but was a big deal. And she continues to kind of move that forward, but it's being measured in years. I think she would be the first to say, but the fact that it's the marketer doing it is the kind of thing you want to check in every year. And she came back the year after and was like, here's our, here are the grenades that went off. Here are the ones that we avoided. Here are the new ones. So I think it would be great to have you back to see how this goes. Cause it's a, as you said, I think you used the word unique, and that was a very humble way. To think. It's very unique to have a, a marketer in charge of this, but it's um, something we should all support. So good luck. Well, and there's this other little project I have called Patient Experience, and, and uh, we are doing a, we're going to define what our patient experience philosophy is, and we have a precision patient relationship initiative uh, that I'm also in charge of, which, uh, you know, this is why I don't sleep at night. <laughs> uh, rolling all of this stuff together. So, uh, and, and I think going into the future, uh, experience is part of that quality equation uh, in, the, in the minds of our consumers, and we will fall down if we do not address it holistically. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's one of the biggest threats that the, the new entrants in the, into the world bring, whether that's a haven, if they ever, you know, get their act together or CVS or Walmart health. I mean, they're, they're at the edges um, for sure of the business, but they are pricing is certainly something that they're bringing to the table as a, as, as a competitive advantage and experience. These are consumer brands and they think consumer first, and then they're bringing in the healthcare. That is not our, that is not our um, heritage here in this world. A fair way to put it. So, so one of the things that you mentioned to us when we talked about this was the concept of building consistency. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because that's a huge challenge. Well, you know, when we look at our markets, we have to be thoughtful. And, and consistency is going to have a, a different definition. I think consistency is going to evolve around our pricing uh, principles hmm. and of how we price. Now, a loaf of bread costs something different in Sioux Falls than it does in Pierre, South Dakota. So why wouldn't healthcare costs maybe a little bit different? But it, but it can't be so off kilter that consumers wonder why. That doesn't make any sense. But uh, I think we have to have those, those core pricing principles that are consistently applied. And then I think part of those principles have to be that nimbleness factor in order and, 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 a, and a, a, a system that allows us to make those changes. You know, you can't be clunky. It has to be seamless. Well, and, and depending where all this transparency stuff lines, I mean, again, transparency is one of the primary tenets of consumerism. It's been talked about for years. Um, there are now some, you know, federal policies that are forcing that. Um, you know, I've always wondered what would happen if you lifted the rug and looked underneath it, all the different 
right? And there's been attempts. I mean, you know, Kendra, being from, you know, you used to be in our market here in the Twin Cities. I think back 10, 15 years ago with some, some entities, state, state governments, um, private entities, insurers who tried to do that, who tried to show the like an x-ray cost $100 here and $900 there. It just never really stuck. Um, but this time I think might be different. Uh, well, I agree. I remember Buyers Healthcare Action Group too, and uh, in the in the Twin Cities area, uh, I thought they had some really really great uh, ideas directionally, but it was, they were so far before their time. Right. I think what we have going on here, though, Chris, is that you know consumers have discovered their their power in the marketplace, and that's been through all of the digital uh, enabling that we have, right? So if we did not have digital enablement or empowerment, uh, I think this price transparency stuff would be really difficult for consumers to understand. But now they, they, they Google, you know, the Dr. Google answers a lot of questions for them and they come prepared and now they're going to have the, the, the pricing piece to, to add to that. So I can't see anything but more uh, consumerism and shopping coming out of uh, the, the transparency laws in January. Yeah, and it's it's just not a simple issue, no matter how you cut it. You think about, you know, if you have a $5,000 deductible, you assume, okay, that's a shopper. That person's really going to care about that $5,000, unless they're having their knee done, because it ain't going to cost less than $5,000. And at that point, it's like, price doesn't matter. On the other side of the spectrum, I could be looking at, you know, your retail offering um, versus a minute clinic versus a teledoc, and I might be comparing... $10 to $20 to $30 and going, I, I can do the $10. And you might be thinking as a system, well, what's the difference? $20, what's the difference? That $20 difference that drove them to the $10 option, now they might be go referred on to your competitor and you've just lost that patient, which is not $20. One value of that could be, you know, who knows what. So that's where it's just, there's so many different angles to this to figure out. Uh, it's, it is interesting. That's fair. They're interesting grenades. Is that a fair way to label them? Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> All right, cool. Is there anything else you want to share with us about your, your consumer centricity efforts? I just think you're doing so many unique things. It's, it's great for you to, to share them with other folks. Well, I feel really blessed to be in the Avera system because they, have, they really have elevated uh, marketing and communications. We sit at the strategy table. We sit at the executive table. And we're probably in every conversation across the system, which has been a great enabler for us to be able to be a strategic partner. And I think that's why they, they're trusting uh, the team to, to lead these things forward. Uh, I, I can't think of any uh, element in our health systems that's more well positioned than the marketing and communications area to really own the experience of the consumer patient. Remember, and I, I talk about consumers and patients, and I'm in a Catholic system, so that does raise eyebrows. But I keep telling our, our sisters especially that, uh, you know, patients get care. Consumers make decisions. And you can't wait to be a consumer again if you're a patient. And, and that consumer's making their patient decisions up front. And we know that that, that whole experience starts well before they walk in our door. And I will tell you that from a financial experience, uh, that experience continues well after they leave our, our doors. So, you know, yeah. we, are, we are the answer because we know the consumers. Uh, and I really, 
if anyone is out there listening and they have some insights on any of these things I've talked about today to help me avoid some of those grenades, I will love to get a call from you because uh, I am not going to ever tell you that we have the answers to all of these questions. And, it, and I think to move, our, to move our profession forward, we have to act collectively. Yeah, that's fantastic. Well, we appreciate you being on the show because it is about sharing this stuff. Um, and I know the people that are listening now and others will get a lot from it. And we will follow up with you. We will track and, and we'll, I don't know, we need to come up with some kind of like grenade meter for you. Like is it a one or a five or whatever it is. <laughs> but thank you, Kendra, for joining us. That was fantastic. Thank you. Chase, as always, sir. Thank you. Absolutely. Enjoyed the conversation. Yeah, if you want us to cover something, just let us know. Throw it in the chat channel now uh, at Zoom if you're still with us. If you're hearing this otherwise, you can email us at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com. Um, next week, uh, we're having Ryan back. Is that right, Chase? Ryan Coliani, who is our um, issues expert at Revive. And we're going to dive deep into vaccines. Um, just so much to think about there. And again, we've got that report, so check that out. But that's just the start. Um, all the different dynamics to think about coming, hopefully, in the next few months. Let's say over the next six months, we're going to be dealing with this. But odds are it's going to go a lot longer than that. So um, definitely come back and join us then. Uh, and remember, go to thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 for recording of today's episode, all of our contents. Subscribe to us on iTunes. And until next week, good luck out there in the new normal, the no normal. Darn, I haven't done that in a long time. It's not <laughs> a new time. normal. It's the no normal, darn it. Thanks for joining everybody. Take care. <laughs>